Hi, I'm Nicole Haney. I'm a business coach who helps goal-driven business owners build the life and business of their dreams. In this podcast, I share tactical advice on building your business, mindset tips, and inspiring interviews to help you build your business and change your life. This is the Goals and Gratitude Podcast. Okay, so thank you so much, Zach, for being here with us today. Um, To get started, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Totally. My name is Zach Havens. I am uh, a husband, uh, an influencer husband. My wife is is Brett Havens on Instagram. Uh, I am a dad, a homeschooling dad of four kids, ranging in ages from two to nine. Uh, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. I don't know how that happened, but uh, I'm self-employed, been self-employed now for most of my adult life. And uh, I like long walks on the beach. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I also love long walks on the beach. I love the beach I in mean, general. So I Yeah, feel like- can't be beat. Perfect. We already have a good vibe going. Um, (laughs) Awesome. So you are currently an entrepreneur and we'll get around to what it is you are currently doing and working on right now. But I actually want to start by taking it all the way back because I remember when I first met you and this was Mm -hmm. thrown it way back now. I don't know how many years ago it was, but at least five to seven years ago. um, When we met, I remember you told me that you initially had um, a band actually Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. guys this was not some sort of garage band like this was like (laughs) legit you guys were touring with some pretty big names so tell us a little bit about that yeah so um when i was growing up i did a lot of music i did a lot of piano um a lot of classical piano in high school and stuff and i always wanted to play in a band and my wife and i would always kind of refer back to the days of 2004 2005 when it was like digital music was kind of becoming a thing and there were all these like bands that you would you know burn cds and stuff so i was immersed in this band culture of like punk and emo and screamo and that sort of thing but i couldn't play guitar so i got a bunch of friends together and i was like i can play piano and we did this kind of rock based piano thing so when i graduated from high school i i went to western university for a couple of weeks and i was like this is great but i don't want to learn more classical music so i dropped out within a couple of weeks started a band and uh kind of never looked back we um we were independent the entire time we toured the country several times over released a couple albums uh we got some radio play some tv play um some notable artists we played with were like marion's trench and said the whale and um we were we were a a faith inspired band because a lot of us you know we were part of the church and we've got a christian faith um and so our music wasn't necessarily worship super christian music so we were able to straddle the lines between playing you know, these big youth events for, you know, several thousand kids that were more kind of faith-based. But then we also played Day Fest for 8,000 as well. So we're kind of both in the Christian market and the general market. And it's funny because when I first started the band, I didn't really have any idea of what entrepreneurialism even was. I was like, all I know, I said, I don't don't really want to like, you know, have an office, typical office desk job where I'm just clock in, clock out. Um, but I want to do something exciting and something that's creative and something that deals with people. And so I didn't know it, but I had just inadvertently started a business and I was like, Oh, okay. So I was dealing with like staffing and I was dealing with like, cause I hired the band members. I was dealing with, uh, marketing things. I was dealing with, um, like your project management, recording an album, getting the design work, doing graphic design. And so there were so many elements of being an entrepreneur that I didn't really understand were a part of it. But so much of what I do now and how I approach my businesses now were, were, were built and grown in the furnace of um, the band and the musical career and all that. So honestly, a wonderful experience in my life. And I would have kept on going. Um, but when I was 18, I said to myself, listen, I'm going to give this a really good hard push. But I also don't want to be 45 still trying to make a band work. Um, just for my own personal life, I, I wanted to have a family and do all those sorts of things. And so I gave myself a time limit and I was like, okay. I've got, I'm 18 now. I'm going to give myself till I'm 25. If I'm not making $40,000 a year by the time I'm 25 from this band thing, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it quits. I know that I put everything into it and I did my absolute best and I poured my soul. Um, but the, if, if it's not, you know, bringing the money that I want at that point, then I'm, I'll, I'll kind of call it quits. And so it was right before I turned 25 that my wife and I had our first son, Dexter. And uh, I looked up and I, I wasn't making $40,000 a year. I was having an amazing time 
And it was like super great. But as in anything too, there's also a lot of stress with that as well. And so I was like, all right, I gotta, you know, feed my kids and, and get this thing going. So we closed down the band. Uh, while I was doing the band, I was like, I, I was, I thought to myself, if this music thing ever ends, I'm going to be like the least employable person on the planet. <laughs> so sure. I was like, I, was, I'm, I need to get some sort of uh, education. So I got my accounting degree when I was on the road with the band. So when the band ended, uh, I got a job as an accountant and, uh, you know, had a, a job there for a little bit doing the, the books. An accountant. That is yeah. like dramatically different than playing in a band and running a band, right? Uh-huh. What, Very what much led so. you to that? So I was like probably 22, 23, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so Britt and I, my wife and I, we, we Googled who makes a lot of money. And uh, accountants make a lot of money. And I was like, well, I kind of like math. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'll do that. So got my accounting degree, and I was going to be a CPA, and I was going to go down that route. Uh, I started working as an accountant at a local e-commerce uh, retail business, and, and they were doing amazing place, amazing people, amazing staff. Uh, but I got into it, and I realized that I don't like accounting. And so, uh, granted, I like being able to do accounting, and I like what accounting allows you to do. Um, but I, I, I kind of it took me that process to discover that I'm entrepreneurial, and uh, I just I wanted to be the boss. I wanted to be the owner of the business. I didn't want to be the bookkeeper in the business. And so, just for my personal preferences and taste in life and stuff. I was like, all right, we'll try that. And that's what led me to start my show. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I had much the same experience with human resources. So mm. I was in school for psychology and I, yeah. oh my gosh, I love psychology so much. Like I'm a total yeah. psych nerd. Um, still to this day, <laughs> like I like have a subscription to like psychology today and like it's, no it's yeah, oh yeah, it's super nerdy. But I was like, okay, what can I do in psychology? And at the time, I was actually really terrified of public speaking. So I didn't want to be mm -hmm. a professor. I didn't yeah. really want to do the research aspect of it. I didn't want to be, you know, a psychologist who had its own, their own practice. So I was yeah. like, you know who makes a lot of money? HR, human yeah. resources professionals. They make a good chunk of change. And so yeah. I started getting into it. And I very quickly realized same thing as accounting for you. It wasn't the right fit. No. Yeah. And I think that's good because like, like, I feel like there's this idea that kids, like high school students and stuff, need to know what they want to do with their lives before they kind of get out into the real world. And I think the real world is figuring it out. And if you're someone who's young enough and you're like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a vet or whatever that is, then go hook it up. That's that's absolutely amazing. And, and follow that career path. But I, don't, I think for I feel like for most people, it's a process of self-discovery and being like okay like what am i good at and, and what do i like and what don't i like and how can i make this world a better place through my skills and my talents and my gifts and uh it's it's a process man it's and i'm still in the process and we're, i think we're all in the process and it's making peace with the fact that like you know it's it's sounds cheesy it's like it's not the destination but it's like the process of of exploring those things is what makes you who you are and so i i've had a bunch of failed ventures over the years, but I'm kind of, I learned a bit from this one. I learned from this one. I learned from this one. I learned from this one. And at the end of the day, the, the, the key to success is standing on the pile of all of your failures rather than being buried underneath them. And so, you know, I'm not always perfect at that, but I'm, I'm doing what I can to, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you that like you have to go through this learning curve and this process to figure out what do I actually like? What do I hate? What yeah. am I good at? What am I not great at? And then just kind of like find the path and, I think you're really right to not focus on the destination, right? Because this is what we all think about is like, oh, my end goal is X, Y, and Z. And yeah. we all have that for ourselves, right? Like for me, it's a house on the beach in Hawaii, right? And Straight so, up. yep. Yeah. And so that's what I have in my mind as like my end goal. But the reality is I might never get there or I might get mm -hmm. close to that or I might have a house on the beach in Costa Rica or I might have a house like 10 minutes from the beach in Hawaii or something to that yeah, effect. Yeah. But like it yeah. doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you hit that exact pinpoint on the map. Mm -hmm. What matters is who you become through the process of like trying to get yep. there. Right. Yeah, totally. So Jim Rohn, I don't know Jim Rohn at all, but his leadership stuff is insane. He was this guy in like the 70s and 80s and, you know, stiff suit on the, on the stage doing the thing. And he, his line was that become a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but because, because of what it makes of you. The process of being a millionaire, because in order to be a millionaire, you have to be wise with your money. You have to serve people. You have to have good people skills. You have to be you know, someone that people like and want to do business with. And you have to be independent enough to build something that other people aren't willing to build. 
And so back in 2019, um, I was, I was kind of in my stroke and I was trying to, you know, to just navigate life and stuff. And I was like, I really want to be a millionaire. I think that'd be great to be a millionaire. That'd be awesome. Compound interest. I'd be, you know, I'm a bit of an accounting nerd. And, uh, and so I called up a buddy and I was like, Hey, an old friend of mine. And we actually used to play music back in the day together. And I was like, Hey, we should create a pact that we are going to be millionaires and we give ourselves a deadline and the deadline is 2030. I think it is. And I was like, we're going to do whatever we can to hold each other accountable and help one another and cheer each other on that we're going to try to be millionaires by 2030. And the process of that has been really fun because now we have these conversations and I still have a ways to go. So don't get off, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but in having those conversations, it's like the process of chasing that and the process of having some sort of like direction. And it's this like kind of little thing. It doesn't consume my life, but it, it kind of just informs little decisions. Like, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? And do I want to go this way. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a gift to have something to strive for. And the, 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 yeah, the richness is what you, what you get along the way. And then once you get there, I'm sure it'll be anticlimactic and it'll be like, whatever, it's just money, but it's who you have to be along that process, which is the best part. For sure. I heard, um, a podcaster say that by the time she got to one of her major goals she had for herself, it yeah. wasn't a surprise anymore because yeah. every single day she was writing it down in her journal. Like, this is who I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to be. And so eventually yeah. you get there and you're like, yeah, I, I knew this. I knew this all along. Cause this is what I've been working towards. Right. Yeah, totally. I'm also wondering if you have heard, um, Jesse Itzler is famous for saying, um, we're millionaires. They just haven't paid us yet. <laughs> I love Jesse. So I haven't heard him say that. Though. Oh, it's he's so, good. so, I love him. He's so fantastic. Yeah. Like his whole life resume thing is yeah, so good. the coolest idea, right? Oh yeah. And just yeah. like all the, the, the cold plunges and the saunas and all that stuff. It's yeah, it's wild. Amazing. Okay. So taking it back to kind of your, your entrepreneurial journey. So you're an yeah. accountant, you realize yep. that you hate accounting. <laughs> and you decide to get out of it. So how did you make that leap into sure. having your own business? So I remember when I was working as an accountant and I've always kind of been like, I believe that I have something special that I can bring to the world. And, you know, and I, I believe everyone does. I don't think like I'm super special. I feel that everyone has the, the fingerprint of God, that we all have something unique that we have to bring to the world to make it a better place. And I was like, I really think that I can build something, but I have no idea what that is. So when I was going through this process of discovery and being like, man, I don't really like where I am right now. Um, I was listening to a podcast and there was an interview with Dave Ramsey and Mark Cuban. And so Mark Cuban's like a baller shark guy. And Dave Ramsey's this like great financial guru who I, I think his stuff is great. And, um, and so they were having a conversation and they asked that question, how do you know what business to do? You've got all these ideas, say like, uh, and you know, as an entrepreneur, you have like, you know, a thousand ideas a day. You're like, we can do that and we can do it, right? And so they're like, how do you know what to pick? And one of them said, you pick the thing that you are really good at. If there's like an area that you're an expert at, then do that thing because that gives you an edge on other people who might try to do the same thing if they're not as familiar with it. Case in point, I would never create a football-based business. I don't play football. I don't really know much about football. I'm getting more into it now. But I, like as far as someone who grew up playing football and they know all the teams and they know the, the pain points, all that stuff – so all the way along, while I, had, while I had been doing band stuff, and even while I had been working as an accountant, back in high school, I started teaching piano. And uh, it was kind of a fun, easy way for me to make money. Uh, it was it made more money than working at McDonald's. And uh, I really liked music, and I could help these people with it. And it was just a really great thing that just kind of word of mouth, people were like, oh, you teach piano, you teach piano. So then I thought to myself, okay, I, I can teach piano. I'm able to make money with it, but I can't scale it. I can't grow it because it's it, the ceiling is me. And there's only so much you can charge for, for music lessons. So I was like, how do I make this bigger than myself? So um, it was a time of like Uber was getting big. Airbnb was, was getting big. So I'm not the super smart guy, but I was just like, okay, like, why can't we just do that for music lessons? Along, you know, And there's a million different businesses like that, that, that have kind of taken that, that model. So I was like, okay, I know the music lesson piece, but I know nothing about tech. Um, but I was like, I, you know, I think I can teach enough music lessons to feed my kids, like just their basics. And, uh, and then from there, I can take my additional time to pour it into building this business that can work outside of myself. So the premise of it was that there would be a bunch of teachers, they would all teach lessons, um, my show would process all the payments, and then uh, the teachers would get the majority of the money, we would take a small cut. And then that was kind of our business model. So if you scaled, 
if you got, you know, a thousand teachers teaching a thousand students, you can make a lot of money. That was the reasoning in my head. So I quit my job. Uh, I kind of, I launched the business in like August and I quit of 2016. And my last day of work was September 1st, 2016. I just kind of like jumped out because I knew I could make, I knew I could cover the bases and we live super cheap kind of intentionally. Um, so that way we, it gives us that, that financial margin to take those risks and to take those gambles. So it's not going to be like a fatal risk to us. Um, so yeah, I started my show and just worked really hard at it and tried to figure out how to build a platform. That's what I did. Awesome. And you yeah. achieved like some pretty good success with Maestro. You were yeah, running it, it for, good. yeah, you were running it for quite a few years and continuing mm -hmm. to like grow it. And you were getting a lot of um, accolades and press and people were recognizing you. Right. And so yeah. you were getting it to this really great point. Yep. And then you decided to stop. So yeah. tell us a bit about that. So one of the things when you went out when you're doing a startup is and it's like kind of like anything you want it to look bigger than it is right you want people to be able to trust it, that you want to project this image of success i'm successful this business is successful because you think that that will you know encourage people to to do business with you and be a part of it and all that stuff so i was getting uh newspaper articles and i was winning pitch competitions and i was having a lot of fun with it and got the western accelerator and everyone thought which is everyone i talked to was like that's a really good idea um i got an investor and he was like hey i know you don't know much about tech i know a lot about tech i've got the team i'll build this tech platform for you and i was like okay cool but it was a slow process still so started it in 2016 by the time I figured out how to actually get the platform up and running the way I had envisioned it, it wasn't until August 1st, 2019. So it was like three years of trying to figure this out and get it all built. And at that point, it was like, okay, this thing's working. But if you've done anything with tech, you realize that there are a lot of bugs. Uh, there are a lot of issues. It's, we, we're so used to having like a really smooth user interface and phones and stuff. We forget the fact that there's so much backend. So the learning experience for me as someone who doesn't know how to code at all um, was massive. And all the while, all the while along, um, it wasn't really making any money. I, I wasn't pay, making enough money to pay my bills. I still had to teach piano, and kind of along this, along the way, while this had happened, my wife and I we had two more kids. One more, no, one more kid. We had two kids when I started my show, and then you um, we had our daughter. I got a lot. It's like a thousand <laughs> at this point. So, and we homeschool as well. So we're all, we're always juggling these things. So at the same time, um, my wife's Instagram started to pick up a little bit, and brands started reaching out to my wife and being like, "Hey." Uh, can we send you this product? And then we're just like, yeah, like free t-shirts for the kids is really cool. And then brands started being like, hey, we'll send you this product and we'll pay you 50 bucks. And we're like, okay, cool. That's kind of sweet. And then uh, other brands started reaching out and started offering a lot more money. And we're like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then in August of 2019 or September, my wife launched uh, digital downloads, preset filters and stuff. And we're like, okay, well, let's try to see how this goes. And then it did really, really well. So it was in the middle of, it was summer of 2021. Actually, it was closer to the beginning of the year when I kind of made the decision. And I was working really, really hard on Maestro. Um, I was really, really stressed. It was, it was really challenging and I wasn't making any money. And I was like, man, I've been doing this for like four years. And meanwhile, my kids are getting older. Um, I'm getting older. I was 27, 28 when I started it, which I was in my 20s. But now I'm like 31, 32. And being like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with my life to, to, to provide a, a life for my kids. And um, at the same time, while my wife was doing a lot of the Instagram stuff, I was very much a part of that process. I was doing all the back end, I was doing all the management, negotiation, invoicing, and accounting, and I was helping with content creation. Like it was very much like a family endeavor with these things. And so um, I was looking over there, and we were making a lot more money over there than I was making with Maestro, and it was a lot less stressful and a lot more scalable than with Maestro. So yeah, in summer 2021, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to shut it down. And it was at, at the point as well that like, I imagined to myself, okay, number one, what would it take for it to be the success I wanted it to be? And it was going to be a lot and it was going to be a long road. And so I didn't really know if the success was even possible. And number two, I was like, even if it was successful tomorrow, the way I had envisioned four years ago, does that success match what I want in my life now? And it didn't because my life had changed. And I was like, all of a sudden, I kind of want to do things that are more, you know, little not, not family-based, but a little bit more independent. And it was, it was just, anyways, it was a, uh, it was a tough decision to kind of come to, but I, I'm like, I, I, you're better off making the wrong decision than making no decision at all. Sometimes you're better off. If you're going to make a mistake, if you're going to fail at something, fail at action, not inaction, because inaction is just like, it's sediment, sedimentary and it's fear-based and like what's going to happen. And so for me, I'd rather make 
big moves, even if they're the wrong ones. And so I shut it down in 2021. And then we kind of carried on our merry way for the last year and a half to two years or so, uh, just doing social media. And I was, I've still been kind of teaching piano on the side as well, because I've got my students and they're dope. And you, and you love it, right? Yeah. I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. I want to go back to what you were saying about like making a mistake, taking action versus taking inaction. I heard mm-hmm. somebody say once that um, not making a decision is still making a decision, right? Like totally. you are yep. deciding to stay where you are and continue doing what you're doing. Because at the yeah. end of the day, if you don't somehow find it within yourself to make a decision that's different from what you're currently doing, then yeah. you are choosing to stay where you are. And if you know you're not happy with that, then you're basically choosing unhappiness for yourself, right? Totally. And you get one life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you get you get one shot at this thing. So like not not from a pressure perspective, but from like a freedom perspective, like go do stuff. Just like, yeah. just try. We're all dead anyways. You know what I mean? Like yeah. literally at the end 100%. of the day, we are all, none of us are going to make it out of this thing alive. So you might as well take big risks and they're responsible risks. You know what I mean? Like I, I you know, for, everyone has a different risk meter and my, you know, I want to take care of my kids and not do anything reckless, but do stuff, try stuff, just experiment and see what happens. And, and especially the season of life that I was in at the time. And even now a little bit, you're like, yeah, just try stuff and we'll, we'll figure it out. You know? Have you always been like that though? Like, have you always taken risks? And I mean, it sounds like it based on your career, but have you always been like somebody who isn't adverse to taking risks? I think for me, it's not a matter of taking risks. And I think because we all take risks, it just in various, various forms. I will take risks if they're not going to like kill me. <laughs> like, <laughs> for like, sure. So, so for example, so when I, when, when my wife and I were, we were first um, engaged, my parents were like, Hey, check out this Dave Ramsey guy. He's all about, you know, paying off your debt and living on a budget and all, and all investing for your future. And I was like, okay, I can get down with this. So my parents went through it with us and uh, kind of taught us a bit about the principle because my parents were like, we didn't do this and we really, really wish we had. So they're like, we're like, okay, cool. So Britt and I, we went through it. And so we started off our marriage um, living really, really cheaply. And, uh, and so even our house now, it's a, it's a pretty small home, but it is so inexpensive to operate. Our, our mortgage is super low and our bills are super low. And we've done that because for me to jump out and take a risk and, and quit my job, it's not like a, well, now we have to make, you know, $80,000 a year or we're sunk. It's like, I think we could probably make it by on like, you know, we could, our expenses would be like maybe 30 grand, you know what I mean? And so for things like that, like that allows me to take bigger risks. And I think everyone Everyone, if, if you're taking risks, it cause, it's because you're secure in some place that allows you to be risking other places. And so for some people, I've got a buddy and he wanted to get you know a bunch of properties. And so he leveraged all these different things to get all these properties. And that's a big financial risk. And I'm like, ah, it's bigger the risk than I want to take. But at the same time, I, you know, I quit my job and, and started a business with nothing when I had two kids at home. So I'm like, that's kind of risky. I don't know. I don't see it as risky. Yeah. I, I see it as being like, based on what I know and my skill set and what I want to do and, and what I think I can do, it would be risky for me not to do those things. Um, but it's all, everyone's on a different journey, right? So it's like, yeah, everyone takes, takes risks one way or another. Actually, that's really funny um, that you're talking about the different types of risks that you're willing to take because um, I was talking with a mortgage broker. And so we're going to get to this. We're going to get to what you're doing now. Um, (laughs) And he was like, okay, variable rate or fixed rate? And we were like, Mm -hmm. fixed rate, fixed rate, because we're like very brisk adverse. And mm-hmm. as soon as I said to him, like, we're very risk adverse um, financially, he looked at me and he was like, except with how you make your money, <laughs> because mm-hmm. both me and my husband are entrepreneurs, right? And mm-hmm. it's true. It's like, we're willing to take that risk of working for ourselves and believing in ourselves and investing in ourselves. But when it comes to like a variable rate mortgage, that's a hard pass for us, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it just, it depends on, I think, like you're saying, who you are, your personality and your different like comfort levels with different things in your life, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, and it's nice because it gives you just the freedom to risk where you want to take a risk. But other people, um, they don't want to have that career risk necessarily. And so, but, so they are, you know, but because often because they can't financially, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, I'm all about freedom. I think that freedom is a really, really great thing in every aspect of your life, emotionally, relationally, um, all these different areas. And, and I think that if a decision allows you to get to that place of greater freedom, even if it's a little bit risky, uh, I, it's worth it to me. But again, I have a different upbringing, I have a different personality. And so it's, it's being, everyone gets to make their own decisions with how they want to run their lives. 
For sure. Okay. I want to go back to that moment that you were having in Maestro because I actually think this is super relatable for a lot of entrepreneurs that are going to be listening to this is Mm -hmm. that moment of realizing like I've been in this for four years now and I'm, and I'm not making any money at this. Right. Cause it's so common. And I think a lot of us get into business thinking, I'm going to make this product or this service. I'm going to sell it, you know, for more than it costs me to make or for more than my overhead costs. And of course, I'm going to be able to make some money. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, that's actually not how this works at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're in that position and you're starting to realize, like, I'm not making money at this. And it turns out that this business isn't actually what I wanted it to be, right? Mm -hmm. And so was that a hard decision for you to make that leap and to say, you know what, I don't love this anymore. I'm going to leave it. Um, Or was it easy for you? Because you were just at that point. I think it comes a matter of like pain. And so it's like, I'm going to get this quote wrong. But it's like, people don't make make a change when the pain of staying is greater than the pain of leaving. Right. It's like, right. It's the idea that, that for me, um, and anyone, you make a life change when you're like, Hey, th- this is not working for me. And there's a lot of pain and stain here. And yeah, it's painful to move on. Yeah. It's painful to do something else, but there's more pain here. So it's really logical. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to do this. Like, yeah, it's going to suck, but it sucks over here too. And so for me, um, it was, it was, it was hard. Like even doing my show from the very beginning, I, I felt really lost when, when I started the company. Cause I'm just like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to sit in an office and, and, and work for someone else necessarily. I really wanted to be entrepreneurial, but I was in my like late 20s and trying to figure out being a dad and trying to figure out how to be married. And um, there, there's, the thing I always say to people is that people think that entrepreneurialism is like, and you're a business and you're an entrepreneur. And then all these other things happen around you. Like you're like a mom or a dad or, a, yeah. but like, like starting a business takes place within the context of your life. And there's everything else bumping against your life too. your personal finances, your physical health, your spiritual health, your, what your friends are like, there's all these different things that are, that are kind of bumping up against it. So when you're trying to figure out how to do this business, you're also, I'm also trying to figure out how to discipline my kids and homeschool. I'm trying to figure out how to teach my kids and I'm trying to figure out how to um, provide for my wife. And there's all these different things that are playing at it. So for me, it had been a very long four years of trying to navigate it. It was really stressful. I had like a pit in my stomach like all the time. Um, it was it was it was really really tough. And that's kind of funny. Um, and there was one, so I kind of been playing around with the idea of like maybe I should shut this thing down. Maybe it's not working. And uh, and I'm all, we're always like really good with our finances. And I, I've we've never been overdrawn on any accounts. Like just because we always try to have like an extra amount and stuff like that. Um, and I remember there was a day, there was a day, I think it was like December of 2020, maybe, maybe January. And I looked and both my business account and my personal account had been, had been like a check came out or something like that. And, it was, and I was like, oh my gosh. And the money was there. I just had to move accounts. Like it wasn't that big of a deal, but it almost felt like uh, this has never happened before. And this happened on both accounts on the same day. And I was like, okay. I was like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a sign or whatever. Um, and then I remember in February driving around and just being like, I was, I was picking up some food and it was the middle of COVID COVID sucked for everybody and just being really hard. And I was just like, I was praying and I'm like, man, like, what, what do I do? Like, what do I do here? I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, um, and I was just like, what if I stopped my show? And I just felt like just the thought, I felt like a weight was kind of lifting, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, that's really going to suck. But I'm like, I don't really know. I think that's the best option. And so I talked to my wife about it. We thought we prayed about it. Um, and and then I was just kind of like, yeah, this this is kind of the only decision at this point. And it, disapp- it disappointed a lot of people. We had like a lot of teachers at that point, kind of all over Canada. Um, we had students that were all over Canada and student Europe. Like it was, there's was a lot of stuff. And I was like, I don't know what the impact this is going to be. And I was like, can I sell it? Like all these different conversations. But um, I, I, yeah, I guess I had like a real piece about releasing it. And being thankful for the role that it played in my life up to that point. And uh, I learned a ton. You and I met, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've I met like a lot of really, really, really wonderful people. And I have such an appreciation and a compassion for people that take risks and go through really hard times. And, uh, and yeah, it was just, it was just the right, the right thing at the right time. But again, sometimes people are just like, you know, you got to stick it through and got to go. And sometimes that's the right answer. And other times it's just like, 
quit fast. You know what I mean? Try something that doesn't work, quit fast. Try. And so I kind of wish I'd quit sooner, to be honest, but I had to kind of go through that process. And again, it's not always your full attention because we're trying to figure out how to, you know, wear masks everywhere and all that type of stuff. So it was interesting. Yeah, for sure. I can relate to so much of this story, so much of the story, like that moment where you're looking at your bank accounts and you're like, oh crap, right? Yeah. I had a moment in my business and this was probably two or three years in where yeah. I was running payroll and I realized I didn't have enough in my business bank account to make payroll. And yeah. I had that moment of like, holy crap, like what am I gonna do here? What am I gonna do? And I remember yeah. like, driving back to my house and being like, okay, what account has enough money in it to make payroll? And like, how can I like shift this around and like make it work? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, have those moments in their business. And even when you said like, I kind of wish I had closed it up sooner. um, I feel feel much the same way, right? Cause like, you're just trying so hard for so many years to make it work. And you're trying to be like, okay, well, if I can just get over this hill, over this mm-hmm. next hill, then it'll work. And then you get over that next hill and there's another hill. And you're like, if yep. I can just get over that hill, then it's gonna work, right? And it just, yeah. you keep, it's like such a cycle. So I think that it's really brave to have that moment of being like, you know, this is the right thing. This is the right yeah. thing for me. So when you got to that moment, then you did not decide to sell. Is everybody asking you, did you sell the business? Because everybody no. is constantly asking me, like, did you sell the business? How much did you sell it for? Who did you sell it to? And I always mm-hmm. have to like burst people's bubble and be like, I didn't sell it. I closed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with a few people and uh, and we're just like, let's try to like, get some value out of this thing. We put a lot of money into it, put a lot, a lot of time into it, way more time than money. And I was like, let's, let's try to get some value from it. But um, I had a conversation with a couple people, a couple people were interested, but it just the right person didn't show up. And again, it was going to be like way more work to try to like get something from it. And I'm like, man, I don't even know if it's a viable business here. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It's got potential, but I don't think there's enough value in the, the name itself. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't, I should have looked harder, but, um, at the time I was like, I just, I kind of need it to be done. And, uh, unless someone kind of comes and says, I'll buy it, then I'm just like, I'm not going to you know, work. Others, I'm gonna have to work myself to death to probably try to put it all together and show the numbers. And and we weren't making a lot of money, so it's not like I can be like, we've made a million dollars, and here's what you right. It's it, it wasn't the best investment for people, anyways. So, um, yeah, no, I didn't didn't have a buyer. No one's asked me that, but uh, I kind of wish they would. It made me feel way more important. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Or it could just be really awkward when you have to explain that you didn't sell yeah, it. Yeah, like no didn't sell also i was pretty clear i was pretty like public about we're shutting it down yeah i mean it wasn't like a i'm no longer being a part of this business it was like a hey maestro is no longer um teachers go on your way and i feel like that was probably made clear in a lot of social media stuff that we were doing and how i communicated it communicated it with students and and, um, teachers and stuff but um yeah when you said um that you would have to stay in the business for longer and it's like Mm. it's a whole process that was something that i was feeling too where i was like i'm actually just done with this like i know that this is not the right fit for my life i know that i want to move on to something that is a better fit and i want to get that started right away and move on right Mm -hmm. and so i don't want to be tied to this thing that i no longer love and i no longer think is a good fit for me or for my life right yeah. And because like for me, it's opportunity cost because yeah. if you're going to spend time doing one thing, it means you're not spending time doing something else. And I'm in a season of life right now where I've got four little kids. And so the opportunity cost is massive, right? Like if I have like an extra six months of trying to do something that's not going to yield a good result, then that's a really tough thing to take time away from my family in order to do that, especially because they're going to be adults in like two seconds. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of that stuff. And it's like once you get to that point, it's not, I think it's almost like, you know, deciding to break up with somebody, right? You're just like, yep, we're, it's, it's done. done. And, uh, and it's, it's sure it's painful, but like when you know what has to be done, you just do it and it's not that hard. <laughs> <You're just kinda laughs> For like, sure. Look it up, right? For sure. That's awesome. I appreciate your candor with us because honestly, it's so (laughs) refreshing to talk to somebody else that's been through the same thing and is saying all of the same things that I felt and went through in closing Boho as well. So yeah, well, and I remember you reaching out to me and being like, hey, like I've been there and you were being really supportive at the time. And there were a couple other people that that I kind of had met in the startup community that had also closed down their ventures kind of around the same time. And uh, just the support, the thing that, that is, has just 
makes me so happy kind of along every single step of my entrepreneurial career life journey is is the people that i've been able to, to bump up against and and even you know through western and the accelerator and, and the small business community here in london and the start the startups like everyone's so kind and so supportive so even when you close something down and people are just like hey like yeah i, I get you you know what i mean like yeah that's really sure. tough and and it makes you realize that man there's like there's businesses and there's careers and there's money and that stuff is important. And I, I'm like a huge fan of all of it, but like at the end of the day, it's, it's the people that you meet and it's the relationships that you build. And um, I'm going to, it's like the Michael Scott quote. He's like, well, at the end of my life, I'm not going to sit in my yacht and worried about all the money I had. I just going to be worried about focused on the relationships and the friendships and the family and stuff. And so, yeah, money's great and definitely hook up money, but um, the relationships and the people and the community that you're able to build is, is huge. Absolutely. So, okay, you close Maestro and then yeah. you, did you dive full on um, into Haven Creative? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we were kind of making money through two main streams of income with the influencer thing. Um, it was sponsored posts. And so brands would be reaching out to my wife and, and they'd be like, hey, we want to send you this product or, or promote this product. And the other one was the digital downloads and the things that we were selling for, for preset builders and stuff. Um, so we were really hyping that up a lot and, and trying to build it as, as big as we could make it. Um, but then in early of 20, no, what was it? 20, no, it was 2021. Sorry. Um, we thought to ourselves, this is great. This is working really well over here. Um, let's build another brand over here where we're able to sell resources, do coaching um, courses, all that type of stuff. And uh, we'll call it Haven Creative and we'll kind of brand it under Brit's kind of pl platform, but then kind of make it more kind of businessy and that sort of thing. So we did that. Um, the response was really, really great. People were very supportive of it. But again, kind of similar thing. Once we got into it, we realized what, the, what an opportunity cost it was um, for our other businesses and the other things that we were doing. And so we're just like, yeah, this this isn't quite gonna, isn't going to be the, the best fit either, right? So um, yeah, so we kind of hit pause on that. We didn't delete it. We didn't shut it down. We just kind of hit pause on that because... Uh, we just needed to to focus on the other side of the business with the more influencer side of things. And Instagram is an interesting thing. It's very volatile. It's up and it's down. Again, the entrepreneurial thing, right? And so um, we're like, yeah, the same creative thing is cool, but the coaching piece isn't something that we necessarily want to focus on as much. Um, the digital resources and stuff is still something we might do, but we're like, maybe we'll do it through Brit's platform. A bunch of different factors that kind of went into it. So that's kind of on hold. But that was kind of in our minds, maybe the replacement will end my show, step in this Haven creative thing, make it create a brand that is able to exist maybe outside of just my wife and her personal brand. Um, yeah, that's kind of why we did that. And then also we've kind of released it for the time being, but it's still up there. Okay. Okay. I yeah. love that you guys, um, first of all, you guys are like a power couple. Like, let's just put <laughs> that out there to the world Thanks. because you guys are both doing some incredible, incredible things. Like shameless yeah, Brit, plug for Brit, right? Mm -hmm. she, she, she's the best person like ever. She's everyone who her, loves her. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I also love that the two of you together continue to just like try things. You're not afraid mm -hmm. to just try things and to jump in and like, be like, you know what? let's put this out there. Let's see if, you know, this coaching thing is going to be a good fit for us. Let's see if it works. Let's see if people want it. And if, mm -hmm. you know, if it's not a great fit, then maybe we'll press pause and maybe we'll revisit it at a later date. Like, what do you yeah. think it is that allows you to do that? Good question. I think, um, well, I think having like a really solid, like financial underpinning has been very helpful to, for us from a technical perspective. Like, as I mentioned, we our our lives are just pretty cheap, so it's like for us to take these risks isn't isn't usually a game like a, a deal breaker. Um, man, I think the security that we have in our relationship, um, in our marriage and in our home is the huge thing that allows us to do what we need to do because we're not and and we don't have a perfect relationship. Nobody has a perfect relationship. We argue like you know what I mean. Like it's, it's all that stuff, right? But especially parenting, like so many different things. Um, but I don't know what it is. We both desire adventure. Um, we both really want to do something big and bold with our lives. And I don't know what that's going to be. And neither does Brit. And I think while we're trying to figure all this out along the process, we're just figuring it out. Um, but I think we've really released the idea of having to have it all figured out and just, you know, do our best, have each other's back every single step of the way. And it, it's so cool because as much as, like with with maestro and even band stuff back in the day like we were i was i was 21 and, and she was 23 when we got married 
like when I was doing band stuff, like she was the most supportive person in the world and I'd play her songs and she'd be like, no, change this and this is better. And she would be so helpful. And then when she started doing her Instagram stuff and social media was kind of blowing up, I was I just like, I'm taking the pictures and I'm helping her edit. She's like, do this one or this one. And I'm like, I like this one. So we're, we're, we just cheer each other on so much. And, uh, and I think it's because we know that in our, in our family, our marriage is like number one, like our faith, our faith is like taught because we're, we're Christians. Uh, we go to church Like we, we very much believe in, in God and his love and plan for our lives. Um, and it's great. If you don't, we can all be friends, but that's very important to us. But our marriage is like number two. And it's like, that's, that's above kids. That's above business. That's above money. That's above every, I will live in a cardboard box until I'm 85 with you. We're going to make this happen. Do or die. Who cares? This is what it takes. And so I think just the, that that security we have in each other and in that relationship has allowed us to take those risks, risks because I'm just like, yeah, I know she has my back. I, I've got hers. And whatever happens, we are going to be okay. Our family is going to be okay. And having we all, we all need a foundation to build on, right? Everyone, no matter what. And which is why um, relationships and, and family and all the types of is so important. You need that, that underpinning to allow you to take those risks. So I'd say that's probably the big thing, but also we kind of, that's kind of how we're bent. We, we're kind of, we lean that way pretty hard. We're just like, we just don't want to try stuff. And when I imagine, I don't know, what even the successes we've had, we're just like, yeah, it's just, it's just the most fun thing in the world. It's just great. It's, there's, there's a lot more losses than wins, but yeah, those wins are pretty great. Yeah. Big risk, big reward, right? Yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I like when you were saying that, like, no matter what happens, you're still going to have each other. You're still going to have your family. You're still like going to be alive. That's something that I remind myself about all the time is mm-hmm. like it, when I'm worried about something in my business or in my life, I'm always like, okay, what if the worst thing happens? Right? Like what yep. if the worst thing happens? What if my business goes under? What if I go bankrupt? What if, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I always yep. go back to you. Well, I still have my family. I still have my health. I still, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still going to be able to like live somewhere and put a roof over my head, no matter what that looks like. Like yep. I still will be here. And so I feel like it really puts perspective on those risks that you're taking in your business to say, like, even if this doesn't work, it's actually going to be okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, when you make peace with kind of the worst case scenario and you know, we live in Canada, like, you know, I don't know who was listening to this, but if you live, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance you live in a, a pretty stable country and man, like we could be in Afghanistan trying to start like that. Like that's a different story, but like, man, we're, we're fine. We're going to be fine. That doesn't mean we get stressed all the time. We're, we're still stressed. You know what I mean? Like yeah, of things are still hard. It's not like, yeah. Oh, it's like super easy, but, but it's like, um, there's, there's a, a verse in the Bible and it says, who of you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? And you're just like, yeah, no doubt. Like no one. And you're just, yeah. I just, it's just the most elegant clarifying question in the world. Cause you're just like, does worrying is worrying at all going to make you live a second longer? No, if anything, it'll do the opposite. And so when, when it comes to business and, and taking risks and stuff, you're just like, yeah, it's hard and you want it to succeed and you're, you know, you care about it, but yeah, just, I don't know, just for us, it's, it's practicing because I'm, I'm not perfect at it. I'm very imperfect at it. But it's practicing trying to come to have a life in a world where you just don't worry as much because it doesn't, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve you at all. For it sure. It does not. It, yeah. And it tricks you. Your brain tricks you into being like, ah, but, you, but, but you're like, no, no, it's all no. good. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about what you're doing now because yeah. you recently became a mortgage agent. So I did. Uh, kind of bringing it back not to accounting but to financial uh-huh. stuff uh-huh. so what made you make that decision and what and what does that look like sure so it's kind of twofold the first decision or the first part of it was um we were looking at our lives and with us homeschooling um and the business that we're running the business being Brit's social media requires her to really be on a lot it's her face it's her in stories it's her creating content and um as a result of that, because she needed that time, I would be spending a lot of time homeschooling the kids, still part of the business, still kind of doing it. But um, we're, we're looking around and she's like, honestly, I have more of a heart to be with our kids and homeschool our kids more. And I was like, honestly, I love our kids, but I have a heart and I have a desire to work more and, and be more entrepreneurial and, and chasing the business down. Um, and so there, there were just certain limitations for those things in our current business setup. Um, so along with that, I, I've, over the years, I've kind of accumulated this knowledge of myself. I'm like, okay, what, what do I like? I like, 
I love numbers. I love personal finance. I love what personal finance can do for people, how it can serve people and set them up. And, and for me, honestly, my entrepreneurial pursuits are kind of practical living proof of that because it's allowed me to do those things. Um, so the accounting piece, I do enjoy that part of it. I love sales. I didn't know this before I was working with, with Brits, um, Instagram stuff and selling the brands and sponsorships and stuff. But I really love the sales conversation and serving people through that way. Um, I love dealing with people and having conversations one-on-one. Um, I love the, I, I love real estate. I think real estate is a really fascinating thing that it just, just how it ebbs and flows with the economy. And so I was like, man, like there's gotta be something that I can do that kind of checks a lot of those boxes. And then I was like, well, a mortgage agent kind of checks those boxes. And I did some research. I was like, yeah, this is something that really, really works for us. I can still kind of do it from home. Um, I can serve a lot of people. I can do a lot of good. We can still do Brit's business over here. And so I can still be very much part of that. And so it just kind of checked every box for me personally. But I also remember when we got our mortgage, we were with TD initially, and then we moved. And when we moved, we got our mortgage renewed with a mortgage agent, a buddy of mine. And I remember the process just being such a, a positive experience. I felt informed. I got a way better rate than what I had gotten with the bank. And I was like, this is actually a really cool setup. So when I saw how directly um, working with a mortgage agent had enhanced our lives, I was like, yeah, I think this is something that I, I really, I, something I can do to help people. And it's awesome because like, like you'll know this being doing a startup, there's not really a playbook and you're really good at creating like blog posts and resources that try to give people that playbook and, and doing the coaching. And I know you're really, really great at that. And there are spaces like that. But for me with, with my show and I started, I was like, I'm going to start this thing. And people are like, here, we're going to support you while you figure out the answers. So go figure out those answers. Um, it's been so refreshing with the, the, doing the mortgage agent thing because I'm with a, a brokerage, this really wonderful brokerage with, with amazing people. And it's individual, it's 100% self-employed, but there's this team of people that are not only supporting you, but they're like, there's there's amazing best practices. And they're like, okay, do this, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's just all these tools that are designed to help you succeed. And so for me personally, it's just kind of given me a, a huge leg up. And, uh, and I love the opportunity of being able to share my stuff on social media because I know that space very well through my work with Brit and Hidden Creative. And it's just kind of, uh, it's all kind of come together in this thing that's really working out well. So that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it is kind of cool that you have like sort of guardrails, right? That's like, yeah, you're absolutely totally. right. In entrepreneurship, like oftentimes you get into an industry you don't know anything about and there's no. zero guardrails and you're just like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like right yeah. now, right? Like I have no idea. And I know that you've felt that in the past. I have definitely felt that in the past. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. So that would be so refreshing to be in an industry and in um, kind of a space where you get to have those guardrails to say, you know what, I'm self-employed. I still have control over what I'm doing. I still have control over building my own business and getting my own clients. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are all these resources available to me that I can tap into. That must be a really great, good feeling. It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And I had a conversation with my dad about this yesterday where I'm just like, I feel like when someone wants to be an entrepreneur, it's really easy for people to be like, well, what are you passionate about? Like, what, like, what do you like doing? And then go to, and I, and, and that's a fine premise. Like, that's a great, you know, you should, you should try to ask yourself what you like and what you're passionate about. But um, I remember hearing a guy named Rabbi Daniel Lappin a number of years ago, and he said that when you're trying to figure out what you should do, you shouldn't ask the question, what do I like? You should ask the question, where can I help people the most? Where do people have a need? And, and whether that's sell, you know, selling bricks, whether that's helping people with their mortgage, whether that's music lessons or, or, or energy bars, like whatever that is, then, then chase that. And then as you help people and as you are able to serve more people, you will get a greater gratification out of that rather than doing something that fills, fills you up. Do you know what I mean? That serves yep. the thing that you want. And, and being able to have a business that's outside of music for me at this point is such a, it's, it's amazing because I, it's able to be out here and I'm in it not because it's like my passion. I'm in it because I feel, feel like I can help the most number of people this way. And there's the most opportunity in this space over here. And by doing that, it's actually been like a really enjoyable experience and it just makes it a lot fresher and a lot lighter um, than maybe some of my other previous business pursuits. So it's an interesting thing. I love too that, like you were saying, everything feels like it's kind of coming together. Like you are pulling from all your various experiences, right? Like mm -hmm. you're pulling from your financial schooling and your financial experience 
to bring that into this. You're pulling from the fact that you started building relationships when you were running Haven Creative, right? You're pulling from all these different pieces and it's coming together in this really cool way where you get to help people. Like, I think that's what the journey is about, right? At the end of the day, because I feel the same way. Like I never thought, I think I mentioned earlier on in this podcast that when I graduated with a degree in psychology, I was terrified of public speaking. I did not ever think that I would do public speaking. And I purposefully chose not to have a career in teaching because of the public speaking aspect of it, which is wild now because thinking about it, I've really come full circle. Like when you said you realized that you loved sales when you actually got into doing sales, I had the same experience. Like I, I had had sales jobs in the past. I had done retail sales. I had done telemarketing, hated every single second of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got into doing my own sales for Boho and I did it differently. I started to realize that sales was just about building relationships with other human beings. Yep. And that is so much fun to do, right? Because like, I like other humans. I like talking to other humans. It's fantastic. And so I feel like I'm taking that aspect of what I learned at like through Boho and through the sales of Boho and applying it to what I'm doing now. And now I'm speaking and I'm leaning into the psychology piece when I'm talking about Mm. personal growth and my coaching business, like it's all coming together. This is what the journey is about. This is why it's not about the destination. It's about who you become on that journey, right? Yeah, it's really, really cool. And I, you know, one of the things that I've kind of learned from teaching music is that people bring who they are to everything they do. So I, I know that a lot of people are just like, even, you know, getting married or having kids or you're just like, well, I'm not my dad. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not old enough for that, but it's like, or you, you think of sales, yeah. you think of the guy in the, the stuffy bad suit and like, you know, cause, cause that's how he did sales. But, yeah. but are you, are you this, you know, stuffy pent up person no if if you're relational and if you're friendly and you just want to help people then you're going to bring that to your marriage and to your family and to your job and your business and whether that's sales or whether that's psychology or whatever that is you bring who you are to it every single time and so and i love the whole like personal self-development thing that you mentioned because like as we become better people it allows us to to it permeates every aspect of our lives it's not just a one-dimensional you know i'm better at running now you're like no it's like you're, you're becoming a better person and then your process of becoming a better person serves you, but it also serves the people around you. And then they're able to serve people around them. And there's this beautiful, wonderful ripple effect that happens in that way. When at the end of the day, when we're all super gone, then, then we've made the world a better place than it was when we first arrived because of, of what we've done and who we've been and who we've become through the process. It's awesome. That's so cool. It's so cool. Um, So one thing I really wanted to ask you about is um, something that you said in a webinar that I was running for Western back in the day. And honestly, like, I think I asked you for your best piece of advice for entrepreneurs starting up a business. Um, Mm -hmm. And your answer was something that I've literally always remembered. And I have shamelessly used it in my own conversations. (laughs) With other people, with other people, um, because it was such good advice. And so I really wanted to bring it up in today's um, podcast. So you said, build the bridge as you're walking across it. Mm. And I just think that's such great advice. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So that's not an original idea. So I totally stole that one too. It's, uh, I think it's a book. I've never read it, but I've heard of this book. Just, yeah, the concept of building a bridge while you're walking across it. And it's this idea that like, you don't know how to do stuff, right? Like starting a business, you're like, I don't know how to start a business, but I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to figure it out as we go along. And I feel like a lot of people think that you have to have things figured out before you do it, before you jump. Um, And again, there's wisdom. You don't want to be reckless, right? Um, But even like, having kids right you're just like you know i don't know how to have kids you're like no one knows how to have kids before they have kids you have the kid and then you figure it out and that whole process is you're raising this kid and so with my show when i started it i didn't know how to make a tech company i didn't know how to um build a platform and find teachers and how to sell or i didn't know any of that stuff but i'm like i think i can do this and it's less about confidence in what you know at the time and it's more about having confidence in your ability to learn and your ability to adapt along the way and so yeah it's uh it's a great visual 
and it was just yeah you just kind of step out and take the risk and it just allows you to know, just do it it's like that's like even like this podcast right you sit down and like i don't know what we're gonna talk about but just figure just it out talk, just, yeah yeah that's just it right so yeah i, I love that that image and I'm, I'm glad that stuck with you yeah absolutely and i totally agree with you that a lot of us a lot of us when we start businesses think we have to get everything set up perfectly before mm-hmm. we bring it out to the world and I think that's that's a big time waster too, right? Because you will get it set up perfectly or what you think is perfect. And then you're going to bring it out to the market and the market's going to tell you like, oh, we would actually prefer for it to be this way. Or we Mm -hmm. would prefer for, you know, you to have different flavors or a different type of product or for your platform to have different services or functionalities to it, right? And so Mm -hmm. you can waste a lot of time in the early days trying to make it perfect before you hit the market just to realize like, oh, I actually have to change all of this. And so the reality is the only way to do it is to build the bridge as you're walking across it because you don't know what you don't know, right? No, and, and there is no perfection. And, and I've seen businesses where people try to do a startup and they're like, okay, like they have like the reports and the research and that's great. Research and report your way as much as you, you can, as much as, as you want to. But like perfectionism, I've heard it said that perfectionism is like a disguise of fear that you're just like, well, I'm not, I'm not ready to go yet until it's perfect, until I'm like, I know, no, no, that it's gonna like, you know? And, and so we hide behind the veil of what's well, has to be perfect. And people are like, wow, okay, you're like high standards and stuff. But oftentimes it's just, you're, you're afraid to jump. So just jump and just figure it out. And, and because you can do all the research and reports in the world until you're actually on the ground making sales or finding customers or building the thing, you're not going to know. You can have a focus group all day long and, and do those things, but you're not always necessarily going to know until you're actually doing it, especially when you're a startup and it's you and you're the only one who can do it. So yeah, I, I love, I love just like, just do stuff, just try it, figure it out, get married, have the kid, you know, like again, with wisdom, we're not encouraging recklessness, but, but with, uh, with business and all that of stuff, just go out try it, build it as you do it. And then worst case scenario, you close it down. Like what I did, <laughs> like I started it and I was like, okay, this isn't working. So I just stopped. That's, I think once you go through like your first business and you end up, you know, closing it or shifting into something different or what have you, I think that's what makes you realize like, oh, if something doesn't work, it's actually not the end of the world, right? Like we have so, we all have so much fear over failing or things not working out the way we want them to, but it's like when things actually don't work and they don't work in a big way, that's what makes you realize it's all right. It's actually okay. I was having this conversation with one of my clients the other day because um, he's so afraid that the thing that he's putting his whole heart and soul into is not going to work and that he's going to have to go and do something else. And he's like, but I want it to be this thing. And I'm like, cool, that's amazing. And hopefully it will be this thing and we're going to work on it being this thing. But let's say it's not, you're going to find something else. You're going to find something else that serves your purposes, that gets you where you want to go in your life, that fulfills you and that you love doing. And in my case, I found something that I actually love doing a lot more than building a food business. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just a matter of like, like you were saying before, just trying things, like just going for it. Right. Yeah. So um, I like Gary Vee. Gary Vee is pretty great. He's, uh, you know, super brash which is which is awesome um i remember watching a an instagram reel back uh at the western accelerator i remember being there at the table kind of watching it and he says uh, he's like he's like here's the good news nobody gives an f you're just like no, yeah. nobody cares at all he's like even me he's like you know people let my content whatever he's like if i all of a sudden stopped posting business life content and just started posting videos about play-doh people like two weeks from now would forget all about who I am. And they'd be like, yeah, it's weird. Gary does Plato now, like whatever. And they would just move on. And that's someone who has like millions of followers who you would think is like, oh man. But, but the, the freedom that you have with it, where you're just like, nobody cares. Like that's when you first hear that, when, when you think everyone cares, you're like, oh gosh, like nobody cares. It makes you feel kind of awful. But then you're like, wait a second, nobody cares. Like it's okay. Just, try stuff and figure it out and nobody's watching nobody's paying attention and even if they did pay attention even if they were it's like are you like you have one life are you gonna let what someone thinks from like i don't know someone that you knew in grade eight their judgment of you impact what you do now like what are we doing here just just try stuff and and do your best and, and just make a huge mess of it and because that 
like again, it goes back to what we're saying. Trying something and failing is way better than not trying it at all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. This has been incredible. Zach, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this conversation and for being again, so like honest and open in um, your experiences. If people want to get in touch with you, if they need a mortgage, let's say, how do they reach out? Uh, Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Havens Mortgages. Um, you can also send me an email, Zach at havensmortgages.com, or you can, you can send me a text 519-319-7270. Um, that's, and also for me as well, because I've been self-employed for like the vast majority of my adult life. Um, I can, I, I deal with a lot of mortgages with self-employed people. And so getting a mortgage when you're self-employed and have your own business, have, have your business can be really challenging and really difficult. So for me, I, I, one of the nice things about being a mortgage agent is I can find really tailored solutions to people who are in that, that boat where a typical bank might not be able to help you. So I'm um, really happy to serve people, help them on that journey. Even if they just have like a random question or comment, I love interacting with people. So uh, chime in and, and we'd love to see you there. 